0: Patrick Fandaro here with Franchise Findings Season 2. Together with my brother Jack, we're going to be going through some of the largest franchises as well as up and coming franchises to see if they're a good investment. We look at the franchise cost, the revenue, historical profits, failure rate, and other really important metrics to consider before investing in a franchise. So if you're looking to buy a franchise or think about a startup or an existing business, listen to our podcast as with little time, you'll be able to evaluate a franchise is the right entrepreneurial path for you. Hey, this is Patrick Fundaro, co-founder at Vetted Biz. Today, I'm with Heidi Morrissey, who's the brand president of Kitchen Tune-Up, as well as Bath Tune-Up. These are two franchise concepts that together have well over 200 locations. Kitchen tune-up has 255 locations and bath tune-up after just operating a little over a year has 29 units. Heidi joined kitchen tune-up back in 2003 um, and was a bit pushed into the role uh, given her her father was the founder uh, of kitchen tune-up. And before I get too much into the bio on Heidi, kitchen tune-up, bath tune-up, you should hear it directly from her. And I would love to just start off Heidi you know tell us a little bit how you how you re-entered this industry uh with your your father's urging.
1: Great. Thank you so much. Um yeah I mean I never really had a big interest in the family business. My dad had a cabinet business before he started kitchen tune up. And I have three brothers and a sister. And my brothers always worked with my dad in some form, but I was always doing my own thing and actually went to school and became a teacher. So my first profession was actually as an educator. And um, after moving away and living in another state, um, I was doing my own business for about 11 years and, you know, kind of raising my kids. My husband was being, was a teacher and my dad approached me about coming and helping him in the business, mostly on the training side. He was feeling like the training program needed to be, um, you know, Enhanced or tunified, as we say, and I didn't have a lot of interest at first because I didn't know much about the industry. But you know, he kind of pulled the grandchild card on me and said the grandkids would probably love to be closer. You know, to my dad was yeah, a great salesperson. My dad
0: lives <laughs> 15 blocks from us. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I I thought maybe we'll give it a try. We'll give it a year. And there was not really a plan in 2003 that someday I would take the company. Right? It was really just come and help out so dad can leave. Um, and go on vacation once in a while. Cause my brothers by this time had all exited the business. And so when I came back and I started going through the training program and really seeing the gaps that needed to be filled, a lot of it happened to be in sales and marketing. So studying everything I could about sales and marketing really got in there and started to teach that. And that was what I was doing in my other business. I was helping people become salespeople. So that was not new to me and helping out with, um, developing the training. So it made sense And, you know, really from there, it just, you kind of fall in love with the industry or you don't, right? And so obviously for me, I fell in love with uh, this idea of these entrepreneurs that were willing to risk everything to start a business. And I felt this obligation, right? Yeah, yeah, right. And it was so, um, it's so inspiring to meet people that are willing to do that. And I just kind of started to say, "I, I have to, I want to support them. I want to help them. I want to grow a team that wants to support and help them. And so as we started to do that, it just became more and more apparent through the years that I would be the heir apparent. And, and, you know, people started to assume that I already was running the business. And so by 2017, when I took over, I I think most people thought I was already the president. And so it was really a pretty easy transition.
0: (laughs) And what, I mean, what picked your interest in this, in this industry? Can you give us a little overview of the segment?
1: You know, um, home improvement generally, um, females are who buy home improvement projects. And I thought it was really interesting when I came that there really weren't any females in any leadership roles here. And so some of the marketing actually looked more masculine. It had that feel. So women over 55 are typically going to be the, the influencers in what's going to happen in the home and change. So I wasn't that old then I am now, but then I realized that there was a female, Um, touch that was needed, both from the sales side and the marketing side. And so you start understanding the consumer's needs and I'm not a handy person. So I rely on home services a lot.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, I meet a lot of people that are really handy. My husband and I are not. And so once I started to see that, wow, we could really take this industry that doesn't have the best reputation, you know, people think of home improvement and they dread it. It's
0: just not very (laughs) transparent you, you get like shocked, you get some crazy big yes. bill. And then who are you going to go to, to verify that? That's right.
1: And also, I mean, I think the reputation is they don't return phone calls. You know, people don't show up on time. You know, the project is messy and it, it takes forever. They and leave, I knew that but, we yeah, had they leave the, a mess. So we had a really, um, big space that we could come in and fill this gap and really be different right away. And That was really exciting to me is to be something different and to bring in an experience that um, people like literally when people have their kitchens remodeled or they cry afterwards from happiness. They just can't believe that's the space that they're going to be feeding their families and to be able to know that we could create an experience that made people cry with happiness and not sadness. (laughs) <laughs>
0: you Probably know, especially given the pandemic, just a lot, yeah. people are spending a lot more time at home. more conscious about what they eat, how they cook it.
1: Well, and also they use that space differently. You know, a lot of people were using their kitchen maybe three times a week. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden you went to using it 21 times a week because you were, you had to cook every meal there for sure. And Breakfast,
0: lunch, yeah. So things.
1: anything you didn't like about your kitchen, that wobbly drawer or that handle, I mean, you really hated it after about two weeks. And so obviously that really inspired people to want to get that space updated as fast as possible.
0: This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Franchise Brokers Association, also known as FBA. They provide custom guidance for franchise buyers in the US. FBA has over 100 certified franchise specialists as part of their network, currently working with 350 plus franchise brands. Click the link in the description section to learn how they can help you find the right franchise. FBA has over 15 years of experience. They've placed 2000 plus franchisees across the United States. They take a very personalized approach to selecting and analyzing the best franchise for you. Their approach is also backed by the data that we have at Vetted Biz. So if you're interested in buying or at least exploring a franchise, start your franchise search today with FBA and again, you can click on the link in the description section for more info. And tell me a little bit: who's the competition? Both for, I guess, both both your service yeah. brands. Who, who yeah. are you competing with? Like, is it mom and pops, or are there big companies in the space?
1: Probably the mom and pop. You know, interestingly, in the the spaces, there isn't anyone that really owns a lot of market share it's Mm -hmm. just very um, fractured. And so you've got all this fracturing. And so you've got different size businesses, whether it is the mom and pop, you know, in some markets, you may have some of the big box stores that are in part of that space. There are a couple of other franchises, of course, that are also in that space, but because the fracturing is happening across the U S you'll never go into a market. And that's like the go-to for kitchen remodeling or bath remodeling. And that's one of my goals actually is to create that market share. Yes. That's going to be leaning obviously on the tune-up brands.
0: And how, how are you differentiating? Like, I imagine the mom and pops, it's like very relationship based. And mm-hmm. then the big box retailers have the, the brand recognition. Mm-hmm. How do you differentiate both, um, kitchen tune-up at both your brands.
1: Sure. Well, it's all about the experience, right? How many times do you think in your lifetime, you're going to remodel a kitchen?
0: I would guess like three times.
1: Yeah. So maybe three times. So it's not a common purchase. And one thing that consumers, they always feel like when it's not something that they commonly purchase, they feel a little bit um, nervous about it. So we have a whole process from the time we start talking with them to things that we send out to the way we interact. That's just so different. And we hear it all the time. They'll say, you know, I I had some other bids, but nobody was doing it like you did it. Hmm. And we we hear about that experience that they're, they're interactive, but at the same time, we're educational. I think that maybe comes from my background. Exactly. A lot, a lot of that, helping them to feel confident that they are making that decision right now.
0: And then, so you've spoken a little bit about the, what the consumer wants and how mm-hmm. you brought a very unique lens, given your prior experience and just, it was a male dominated space in the consumer's, uh, female, which That's right. clearly can add value there. Um, someone that wants to enter in the space as a franchisee, do they need to have some experience in home service or what do you look for in a, what, what's a successful franchisee? Like what's their background? Like,
1: so you're not going to be surprised to hear this. I look for lifelong learners Okay. as a franchise owner. And a lot of them over 85% of our owners have zero experience. They're not handy. They don't really need to be because they're not going to do the work. So I'm looking for people that, um, are very optimistic generally. Right. Cause I like to have fun at, at work and I like to have fun talking to people. And if, if fun, isn't kind of part of it, then they probably aren't going to enjoy what we do. Cause we have a lot of funny words that we use like tunies and tunified and all of those good things, <laughs> but also just somebody that's interested in learning and growing and developing their skills, because you're going to come in with some skills that you bring in from your past careers. Right. Sure. You won't have necessarily every skill you need to be a business owner, so you have to have this desire to continue to grow those skill sets, so you can become the best franchise owner that you can possibly be. So maybe you're really strong in operations, but you need some marketing and sales, or vice versa, right? You could be strong in one area, and our job is to help grow all of those skill sets um, throughout your lifetime of your business. So I love the lifelong learner. I love the um, optimistic viewpoint, and people that are resilient. You know, things are going to happen.
0: Yeah. There's recessions, (laughs) there's recessions. there's there's pandemics,
1: there's, you know, um, there is different labor forces. And, um, you know, I think that it's important for you to know that as entrepreneurs, we just have to go out and just get things done and, you know, things are going to happen around us, but we're going to solve for those. And we're going to keep going forward. And so that's my
0: entrepreneur friends lost their jobs or lost their businesses. Right. But I I do know quite a few people that lost their jobs over the last year, sadly.
1: Yeah, that is, you know, it's hard because you know where is that thing that tethers you to security? I don't think that it exists as it once did in life. You know, I think now you have to create your own security a lot of times. People are moving
0: around. You mm-hmm. don't stay at the same company forever and get a nice pension at the after it.
1: <laughs> Not as often.
0: <laughs> and are our franchisees working mostly full time in the business?
1: Yeah. Most of the owners um, are probably running the business more like a, you know, they're maybe taking on the lead of a project manager, possibly a sales manager. A lot of them are hiring. Um, They are going to have installers. Um, They're going to have some salespeople. And so we always say, you know, find your strength and then um, hire the things that you're not as strong in Mm -hmm. and then just keep becoming a business owner. So the bigger they get, I find the less hours they have to work because they've now placed people in all those strategic low areas that they need their org chart changes significantly, um, from one uh, level to the next.
0: Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Um, (laughs) how, how do they manage the day-to-day operations? I know it depends on kind of what their strong suit is, as you just Mm -hmm. mentioned, but what's like the day-to-day for a, a franchise? Well, we've got an
1: amazing, um, um, organizational, um, system that they, we implemented in 2018. Um, it's really, um, a sophisticated operations system for them. So they're able to really have access and, and view on everything that's going on in the business, you know, from what's happening out in the field to, um, which sales are being quoted and which ones are being closed. And so we do have owners now that do operate, um, territories that are more remote too, so okay. that they can have that visibility. Cause the operation system is that strong now. And that was, that was a big push for us in 2018 to get that going because mm. we knew owners had bigger dreams and we knew that to support that you had to have some technology, right? I think that we're in place to be this technology company that just happens to do kitchen and baths.
0: Yeah. You see that with a lot of the most successful franchise systems like Domino's <laughs> pizza or mm-hmm. ghost kitchens, a big, um, uh, trend right now, but Domino has been d- doing that for the last 20 years and that's passing right. the value down to the franchisees.
1: Yeah. And I love that our um, home company, home franchise concepts, just they're so strong in the technology side and some of the things that's going that we're going to be putting into place in the next few years. And we want to stay quite a bit ahead of anyone else, as far as in this space, what are we doing? That's really different technology wise. And this is a very visual space, but it also is a space where we can Um, shorten the amount of time it takes to get a quote done. Let's say, so when I go out to the home, I can actually provide three quotes when I'm there, Hmm. that's really unusual for a lot of home improvement companies. They have to go back home and work up their bid, right. And bring it in and present it. But our system allows us to do that right in the house.
0: And do you help the franchisees get like with sales, getting leads or are they on their own there?
1: So there's two different components. Of course, you've got local marketing that the owner is going to do. We bring in a lot of suppliers and we give them a whole um, guide, you know, list of here's what you should be doing, you know, each day or each week or each month. And then of course there's national advertising. National advertising has been our number one lead generator um, probably for the last seven years Hmm. because we can do a lot nationally when it comes to digital marketing. And so that really does help to bring attention to the website, to do the SEO that's needed and I think that with, with, with the two of those together, um, leads are not really too much of an issue right now That's
0: good. <laughs> because we're there are a lot of people that really want to get And done. probably some labor constraints, depending on where you are.
1: Yeah. I would say that right now, just keeping up with uh, the people, there's just this backlog, you know, I think, um, the industry, you know, if you look at the housing industry, generally, we're about five and a half million houses short of what is needed in the U S right now. So what does that mean for people that own a home, right? They they're not going to be going anywhere necessarily. They're going to continue to improve it. And as their home value increases, they are going to continue to invest in the home as there's equity available.
0: For sure. And for someone that wants to open up a kitchen tune-up or a bath mm-hmm. tune-up, what's like the general investment range?
1: Yeah, right now for um, kitchen tune-up, we're about 72,000 um, and you're all in, it'd probably be right around 99 to and. 20, depending on, you know, what you're putting in play right away Um, for bath tune-up. We actually are at 65 as a franchise fee, but we're doing um, we're doing actually some launch promos right now. It's only 40 right now. We've got about 10 more of those left where somebody can launch for a lot less um, because is it we're in our first year. You mentioned that we're over a year. We actually are coming up on our one year anniversary. (laughs) We're not quite there yet, but in January we'll hit one year. Wow. Yeah.
0: And how does the franchisee make money? with both both these brands?
1: Well, um, with Kitchen Tune-Up, we have five core services that we go out, we fix up the wood, that's our tune-up. We've got painting, we've got redoing and refacing, which is our biggest part of our business, which is basically you leave your cabinets where they are and you come in and, um, you know, change out the doors and the drawer fronts and make it look completely different, or a brand new kitchen. So we've got a lot in the toolbox for people to go out and do. And in the bathroom space, we do things like, um, you could replace your tub or your shower. You could do a conversion or a full bathroom remodeling. So they've got multiple services to provide to someone. So it gives us different price points depending on the budget for that homeowner and where they're going to go. So those are the, obviously the, the ways that they're going to go out there and, and make the money that they're going to make.
0: Okay. And what regions are, are you targeting? I imagine for bath tune-up it's a little more open, but. <laughs> What, where, where would you like franchisees? If a franchisee could open anywhere. Uh, Ah, do I get a wish list? These 10, (laughs) these 10 franchisees that can just pay 40 K to open up a bath, tune up. well for bath
1: tune-up yeah, bath tune-up. You know what? We've got a lot of market and, you know, I would look at where we have, um, sold out for a long time with kitchen tune-up where we haven't had availability like Boston, Massachusetts would be a great one that's been sold out for kitchen tune-up for a lot of years, Austin, Texas would be another place I would look at that's been sold out. So it'd be great to put bath tune up there. Um, we are looking, obviously we like, um, you know, Kansas city, Chicago, bath tune I could go on and on, just give okay. me a map and I will give you some locations and, you know, kitchen tune up. Um, we've got a really good um, diverse um, area, we're definitely more um, saturated on the east, but we still have plenty of room to grow. So um, as we're looking at different markets there, there's still quite a bit to grow into Florida. Um, we definitely have some more. Texas is so big. Of course, you've always got lots of room in Texas to grow. And um, we're always looking for people that, you know, in states that have more of the contractors um, that are needed. I mean, like California. I mean, obviously we've got lots of, of space there to keep growing too.
0: Wow. Okay. And how running the the franchise and and also from a consumer perspective, you know, how, how has it developed in COVID um, mm-hmm. you mentioned, you know, people are having more meals in their kitchen, but mm-hmm. is it harder to run this type of business easier?
1: You know, I think that, you know, you got smart franchises and, uh, they pivoted very quickly. I remember March when everything started shutting down. The very first thing we all did was we made a decision that we were going to get through this, right? We're going to figure out what to do. We're going to put the pedal down on the gas and not not slow down, right? And then we learned how to do virtual sales calls. That was really quick for us. And we've actually kept that. So even though, you know, we are still meeting with people, that virtual um, appointment prior to meeting with them just makes all the difference from time for everybody. A lot of our owners have got great COVID protocols that they put into place and now they've kind of become normalized. You don't, I mean, at the time it was probably pretty odd to have to figure out where am I going to get gloves or sanitizers or masks? And now it's kind of like, that's just in the kit. It's just, there, ready to go. So those are some things that they're doing. Obviously, you know, we're starting now to get in the post vaccination time. And so now we're, we're getting some questions about, you know, is the team vaccinated you know that's working in there so we're getting some new things but you know I, I have full faith that the owners you know they're working really hard to be creative and to you know make sure that they can answer all the needs that are happening out there
0: okay and heidi uh one last question to conclude our discussion today what data or key metrics do you track um daily, weekly, Mm -hmm. vetted biz, we're all about getting the right data and and communicating those findings. So I'm curious to hear from you either what you're tracking daily or weekly or what franchisees are tracking weekly.
1: I think we're all looking at the same thing. (laughs) I think a lot of the owners, you know, what we're looking for is what's, how do we convert our leads into appointments, right? How many appointments to sales? What's our average ticket? What's our gross profit? Ultimately, at the end of the month, we're going to want to know our net and how we're doing and what we're able to make on those. So we're really big into profit benchmarks or KPIs because that is the most important part for the owners is they need to know where, what their numbers are. They need to know like how many, um, you know, how many customers am I going to get from each of my thousand uh, dollars of marketing spend? You know, these are some important things. And luckily our operation system does a great job of flowing that information. And we can look at it from a, a dashboard uh, nationally and we can see which sales are in the, um, where are they add in the stage, you know, are they ordered? Are they, um, already produced, you know, when are they going to be done? So that really gives us a lot of insight um, for planning and preparation. And we're able to share that with our suppliers so that they can be prepared for the big months too.
0: Well, yeah, it sounds more like a technology company than like <laughs> a home <laughs> services franchise.
1: <laughs> well, I, I kind of use that as a goal for a while. I feel like uh, technology is again, the place where we can, can stay ahead a little bit more.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And distinguish yeah. yourselves from the mom and pops and the big yeah. box retailers. Yes. Well, Heidi, I'll leave a link in the the show notes for anyone that's interested in exploring kitchen tune up, bath tune up. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there anything that you you'd like to um, talk uh, talk about at the end today?
1: You know, here's the thing. I, I think with anybody looking at a business right now, I I look at people as just super um, brave right now because you're doing something in a landscape that is continually changing. And it probably always has, but right now it just seems more obvious that it's always changing. And I, you know, I look at people that are, you know, striving for that and they're looking for that. And I'm like, wow, that is amazing. I mean, good for you of, of trying to take control of your life. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we're we're about. We're about supporting people that are looking for that big change. So I appreciate you um, inviting me to come and chat a little bit more about the business. Obviously I have a lot of pride <laughs> for the tune-up brands. Love them. No,
0: definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, multi-generational and, and yeah. having a brand for, for decades. So yeah. again, for those that are listening to Heidi Morrissey, brand president at kitchen tune-up and, and bath tune-up, we'll leave Um, contact information if you're interested in exploring further these brands and Heidi thanks again so much for joining oh thank you so much I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode if you found today's learnings helpful for your entrepreneurial endeavors I encourage you to follow us on our vetted biz youtube channel also our podcast episodes are available on every major podcast network this includes Spotify Google and Apple for Apple Podcasts, you can actually leave us up to a five-star rating and also give comments to see what type of feedback you'd like to see for future episodes. If you prefer, email me at patrick@vettedbiz.com with any questions, feedback, or suggested topics for future podcast episodes. Thanks again for listening today.